Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 13, um, verses 15 to 46. Um, this message is titled, Give Us a Word of Encouragement. Now, and again, our Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 13 from verses 15 to 46. It's quite a long, long Bible reading, so I'm not going to read all of it. I just feel like people need encouragement. People are always seeking encouragement from one another, either directly or indirectly. To prophesy is actually to encourage. If you study the word and if you study it well, to prophesy is to encourage. So in, in our Bible reading today, when the people asked um, for, they asked Paul for a word of exhortation, they asked for a word of encouragement. Paul didn't tell them, you know, a story about blessings and prosperity. If you read through that Bible passage, you see that Paul told them a story of defeat, a story of delay, a story of denial, a story of disappointment. But the crux, actually, of Paul's story was that despite all of these things, God's promises will prevail. Despite all the defeat, delays, denial, discouragement, and disappointment, God's promises will prevail whether it's 40 years or 470 years that like it took the Israelites God's promise will come to pass and that is my encouragement to you today so from verses 17 to 41 Paul basically just sums up what we know today as the gospel he talks he just basically gives a run-through from the Exodus to the resurrection of Jesus and then Paul warns like he warns them against falling away due to unbelief and lack of faith from verses um 42 to 43 the people are you see that the people are so encouraged that they begged for paul to come back and teach again to teach this again the next sabbath so i concluded from that that these passages must hold a lot of encouragement for the saints so i'll be going through them today it is a long passage as i've said before but please bear with me um, I'm just going to start off by saying that God's promises are never, ever, ever for the now. Most times, God's promises are never for the now. They're always for what is to come. God is a God that sees the full picture. He sees, he sees a lot of things at once that we don't see at once. And so when he makes a promise, he often makes a promise for things that we can't see and things that we often can't accommodate and it it overwhelms us sometimes and we think well this is impossible or sometimes you know we're not even overwhelmed sometimes we immediately like we're accepting of it and then it doesn't come to pass as quickly as we thought and then we start to panic and then we start to doubt because we don't realize that God's promises are bigger I wouldn't say the promise is bigger but the purpose for the promise is often bigger than we can current than our than our experiences right now can currently accommodate so we have to go through something to be able to accommodate the promise when it comes so when God makes a promise to you it is to your generation when God promised Abraham a thousand descendants like the sand on the beach surely and as wealthy as Abraham was could not accommodate that many children there was just no way that was going to be possible so 
Abraham received his promise of uncountable descendants with faith. He didn't see Israel, he just saw Isaac, and that was enough. If you read Hebrews, Hebrews 12, it goes through that. So I'm just going to say, if we just go with me to verses um, 32-37, you see there that Paul begins talking about the good news of the promise made to our fathers, our ancestors, that God has completely fulfilled his promise to Abraham by well, his prom God has completely fulfilled his promise to our children by raising up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, never to return again to decay, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. So, we, when God, well, when we're born, we're all born with a purpose. We were never born for ourselves. We are born for those living around us. We are born for people that we must study to show ourselves to be of service. And that again is talked about in 2 Timothy 2.15. We were born for those living around us. There are, there are people that, we are, that, that surround us, our family, our school. We often say this all the time, our family, our schools, our uni, everything. We are born for those people. We are born to impact their lives. We were not born to keep to ourselves. We're not born to to just be on our own. They say all the time, no man is an island. We are born for people living around us. And that is an encouragement to you that you are here not just to breathe air. You are here to actually have an effect on someone else's life. So what are you doing? How are you studying? How are you helping yourself? Develop, how are you developing, that's the word, how are you developing yourself to be able to show that, you know what, I'm actually making an impact? Are you studying the word? Are you developing yourself? What you're studying in uni, how can it be used to the benefit of God? I mean, there is nothing, there's no department in school, there's no area or aspect of life that cannot bring glory to God's name. Every department in uni, down to music, down, down to mathematics and dance, Every last thing is possible. It is possible for God's name to be glorified through that. And I'm encouraging you today, whatever it is that you have, and every one of us, we all have something. And every one of us, God has promised us something. If you don't know what God has promised you, I encourage you to go and study the Psalms. The promises of God are all just litter literally just litter the entire bible but litter the sounds mostly so if you study there and just ask god to direct you to where exactly he's taking you to what exactly he has promised you you will find out so you hold whatever it is you have and put that together with god's promise and you will see that you can actually make an impact you, you can actually affect and it, it's crazy but you can affect someone else's life how big a responsibility is that really? That you can affect someone else's life. You're capable. You shouldn't shy away from it. You're capable of uh, affecting someone else's life. Just like you hang out with a friend who's a drug addict and you eventually become one. Because evil communication corrupts good morals. We all know this. There's, these things are things that we all know. Mm -hmm. So. Even as we were born, to not, we're not born to serve ourselves and we're born to, to, to serve those around us. Christ 
was born to serve all generations. There is nobody that will be born on the face of this earth that Christ did not die for. Christ was born to serve all generations. We were not born to serve all generations. We were born to serve a finite amount of people, a limited number of people. We can impact the entire world, but even that is a limited amount of people. Christ was here to serve all generations. There are people who have impacted others who are now impacting me, but I did. I don't feel the impact of their work directly. For example, um, John Calvin, the Calvinist movement, the Wesleyan things like that. Southern Baptist Church have obviously influenced a lot of people who are influencing me today. I could say the Southern Baptist Church probably influenced Stephen Frederick, who is influencing me today. But I don't particularly feel influenced by the Southern Baptist Church. I didn't go there. I didn't study there. I don't know anything about. I, I do know things about it, but I mean, I don't feel. In, do you get what I'm saying? So we we personally influence a finite amount of people, but Christ was here to influence all generations. From now until his return, many of us will have died and will be running away in our graves. And that is, as scary as that is, it is a beautiful thing. But, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's scary. But it's, it's, I'm telling you that there are many of us who don't want to be here for the rapture, but that's another completely different story. You just pray that you die before he comes back because the horrors that we might see. But forget that. Christ was born to serve all generations and we look to him he's declared the son of God because he resurrected from the dead okay and we have faith in him that we will walk with God isn't that amazing that we will one day walk with God because we have faith in Jesus Christ and we will serve our generation according to his will so the amount of impact that we can have is 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 dependent on the amount of on, on, well, on Christ's infinite impact on all of the world. So we will serve, we will impact the lives of others according to Christ's will. And you know, when death comes, we will die and we will fall asleep in him. Well, it's not really death, it's sleep. It's very interesting because Jesus always referred to death as sleep, if you study that. We will sleep in him and we will have hope still because we have served our generation according to God's will. So, we were created to impact, I'm just gonna reiterate that, we were created to impact a generation on the earth. And if you see King David, he, 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 he gave himself over, he yielded himself as an instrument for the accomplishment of God's will. And that's why he was called someone after God's own heart. It's because he was able to willingly say, you know what, I yield myself over. I yield myself over to whatever God has planned, to whatever God has designed. That's the kind of person that you can say is after God's heart because you are after God's will. You are actively seeking what's going to please God. If you're, if you're a man after God's own heart, you are after God's heart. You are you're not seeking God you're not seeking to please God for what it can benefit you you're seeking to please God so that you can actually please God because you actually want to make him happy you don't want to make him happy so you can get something you just want to make him happy full stop that's that's the kind of person David was he just wanted to make God happy full stop he didn't want to make God happy so that he can get something he just wanted to make God happy full stop he just wanted God's heart 
when we yield ourselves hmm, as an instrument for the accomplishment of God's designs, we will become people who are after God's own heart. When we decide to submit ourselves, not so that God can give us something, but so that God can actually use us to make himself happy, so that God can actually accomplish what he desires through us, then we'll be people after God's own heart. And if we serve our gender, if we do this, and if, if, we, if, we, if we yield ourselves, then we will, it, it's logic, it follows each other. So if we yield ourselves as an instrument, we will serve our generation according to God's will. And if we do that, which means we are pouring out all our talents, we are pouring out all our gifts, we are exhausting our purpose, and we should exhaust our purpose before we die. We should die empty. We should, that's something Miles Monroe always says. When you're dying, don't die with anything that you didn't use, anything that you could have used, anything that you could have poured out of yourself. So if you use yourself as an instrument, you will serve your generation according to God's will. Some people are serving their generation and it's not God's will. There are many people who are making millions today who are serving their generation, but it's, it's, it has nothing to do with God. Their stuff, quite clearly Drake is serving his generation. Everyone is in love with him. Quite clearly Beyonce is serving her generation. But are they operating God's will? Are they using their gifts and talents? Sure. Are they gonna exhaust their gifts and talents by the time they die? Most likely if they, if they don't die young. But my point is, they're serving their generation, but they're not serving their generation according to God's will because they did not yield themselves as an instrument for the accomplishment of God's will. They did not yield themselves as instruments for the accomplishment of God's designs. If they did that, they would be serving their generation according to God's will. So it is possible. It is possible to completely on your own go somewhere else and do what you like and be a voice in your generation and be influential and be powerful and none of it will be God's will none of it none of it will be God's will and you you impact a lot of people's lives definitely you impact a lot of people's lives but none of it will be God's will none of it what what does that profit anybody it doesn't, it doesn't profit you in the end you're just gonna die and you're just gonna sleep and have no hope of, you're gonna have no hope if you do that you're just gonna die at the end you exhaust your talents and your gifts you may not exhaust your purpose, your purpose, that your God-given purpose. You may never exhaust that, but you definitely exhaust your talents and your gifts. But you die with no hope. You die just dead. Literally, just nothing. So, by Jesus Christ, another thing Paul encouraged them, if you read verses 38 to 41, was that by Jesus Christ, we obtain justification. And that's the concern of everyone who has sinned, and that's everyone. We are all concerned that, you know what, maybe I've done this sin, or I've committed this sin. It's taking me away from God. I don't know if I'll ever be right for Him. Our spirits don't feel right. We don't feel, we feel guilt. And you know, what Jesus does for us is He takes that away. He gives us a complete atonement for sin. He gives us a complete justification. He makes us righteous in God's sight. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about our gospel is that Christ's sacrifice has made us in right standing. It means that when God looks at you, He says, you know what, this one is in right standing. When someone is in right standing with you, it means they've not done wrong. 
anymore. Means they're justified. It means you know what? Despite all of the stuff that's come before, right now when I look at you, I'm not angry. You're in right standing with me. It means you have not offended me. My friends are in right standing with me. My enemies are not. That's that's just the, that's the simplest way to put it. That's it. And so, even though, as Paul was talking, he just, um, he, after Paul finished, you know, talking and finished encouraging the Israelites, um, the, the Jews, obviously, who opposed everything the apostles did, they rose up and they began to, you know, they began to just contradict everything said by Paul they began to slander him I put it to you that whenever you begin to walk in God's will whenever you begin to activate what God has in store for you people will always rise up against you people will always rise up to contradict you people will rise up to slander you and in such a situation you should be bolder it should make you bolder it should not make you back down it should make you bold. It made Paul bolder. Verse 46 says, At the same time, Paul and Barnabas spoke up boldly and confidently, saying, It was necessary that God's message of salvation through faith in Christ be spoken to you. It was necessary. They insisted. Where people blaspheme and contradict, we must be bolder. We must be bolder. We must always be bolder. When the adversaries of Christ are more daring than we are, that's dangerous. The enemies of God should not be more bold than we are. When the enemies of God are bold, we must be bolder. We must be more confident. And this is my encouragement to you today. The promise of God over your life will surely come to pass as long as you yield yourself to him. As Abraham received the promise of a great nation by only seeing Isaac, you too will see the beginning of God, of God's promise as it begins to unfold. Remain bold against those who contradict and blaspheme the gospel. Rest assured, as you continue to use yourself, you must continue to do it. You don't do it once, you continue to do it. As you continue to use yourself to God as an instrument for the accomplishment of His will, you will inherit the sure message of David. You will inherit the mercies of David. You will be called a man after God's own heart. So that's my encouragement to you today. And I just want to pray for everyone right now. I ask their God that everyone under the sound of my voice remains grounded in the surety of your word. And that this seed planted by their listening today will not stand against them on the day of judgment. May it take root in their hearts, Lord, and bring them encouragement. Even as they yield themselves as instruments for the accomplishment of your will, may they remain bold against those who contradict and blaspheme the gospel, striving always to remain conformed to the perfect image of Christ. In Jesus' name, I ask this. Amen.